Well, the funny thing is, most of the time when when a correction comes out, I'm correcting myself. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to the Bears and Brews podcast. I'm Salome. I'm, I'm Charlotte. <laughs> Damn it, I'm Charlotte. <laughs> it's like, it's incredible that it was exactly the same time without We're incapable. It. I know. <laughs> we're just incapable Maybe of we're finally anything. at that point where we need to actually script the beginning. No. I think we <laughs> no. might. No. <laughs> As much fun as this is for us, I think our listeners probably don't love it. Uh, let us know. I would love it. I love it as a listener of myself. So let us know <laughs> what you think. If it you does like make it. me laugh when I'm editing. Yeah. I'm, I, I, yeah. I, we, crack, we crack me up. So yeah, um, how are you guys know. doing? <laughs> good. Uh, you know, pretty good. Surviving. Cool. Anything fun or like animal related lately? I feel like, oh, I got to educate my grandparents on bears. Oh, yeah. You told us about that. What a cute conversation. I was going to jump into the bear fact, but I'll wait because I want to ask Salome how her weekend and stuff has been. And then I'm going to brag about animals that I saw. But go ahead. Oh, uh, I literally forgot that there was a weekend. This one day of work, I'm just like now in like full work mode. Um what the hell did I do? Oh, I spent some time remodeling our old house. So that was fun. I got to oh. scrape paint off the walls. That was a blast. That sounds fun. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, it sounds busy and unfun. Um, <laughs> that'll be good when it's all done. But Okay, Pam. I think Pam was asking me so she could get to the wildlife part. Hey, Pam, <laughs> what wildlife did you see this week, dicks? <laughs> Uh, well, this weekend I didn't, I was supposed to go and do a bunch of things and I didn't cause I didn't feel good. Um, mm-hmm. but I did see a coyote, so that's cool. I and love that's cool. But last weekend I was in the Tetons and I finally fucking finally got to see wolves out there. I've never seen Yay. wolves out there before. Nice. That's so awesome. Yeah. So there's like. There was 11 of them bedded down just hanging out on the elk refuge. And at one point, I had elk and wolves in my scope at the same time. Like the elk were just walking in front. Like they were just unbothered by these 11 wolves laying behind them in the brush. Why? That's super awesome. So wait, do you know the name of that pack that you saw then? Yeah, it's called the Lower Grovant. Oh, okay. Or what do you think? Um, they, well, I mean, the wolves were just laying around, not doing much. And so the elk were just like, all right, we're just going to walk this way now. Like the wolves didn't even get up or anything. I mean, they were getting up, but not because of the elk. Uh, and then before I came back over the pass into the Idaho side to come home, I went back out to a different spot on the elk refuge and I saw them again and they had a carcass of something. Oh, that's cool. And I don't know what it was because I couldn't, it was so far out, but they were chasing off like bald eagles and ravens that were kind of waiting their turn. It was really cool. That's cool. I never think of them interacting with bald eagles, but that makes sense. 
That's way cool, Pam. Yeah, especially in winter, because like bald eagles really love fish, but they will they're scavengers, so they'll kind of eat anything. And so in the winter, when a lot of the waterways are frozen over up here, they're going around just trying to get basically you know scavenge things and the ravens in this area will follow wolf packs around so do you like birds pam i do i mean i'm scared i'm scared of pet birds i used to be uh, too. no i meant like Actually, wild kind birds of, still in a little bit i love big wild birds so i love like big cranes and shit and owls and birds of prey Okay, so when you come out, I'm taking you to Montezuma no, uh, Wildlife Refuge because okay. there's like lots of bald eagles there and shit. Um, we used to go like every year as a field trip. That is kid. not the name <laughs> right. I would expect. I wouldn't expect it to be in New York with a name like Montezuma. Right? Like, you yeah. know, where Montezuma <laughs> lives. Well, Salome, yeah. <laughs> you should go to the Farmington Bay Refuge. Yes, uh, we went there together. Do you remember that? No. I don't remember don't that. <laughs> I don't like, remember that. I love that memory. Just and you're just like, nope. You had no, uh, reason- binoculars and you let me use a pair of binoculars and you're pointing out and like naming birds. Do you realize that is every single time I go into the wilderness? Yeah, but it was I'm- with me. <laughs> Jesus. Here's why I don't remember because I've, I've been there uh, just so many times. I'm uh-huh. sorry. Yeah. Did, did we see anything cool? Wait, didn't we just see harriers? We didn't really see eagle yes. and like one heron on the side of the road. I think so. Yeah, right? there was one really close that was like yeah. hanging out on the shore. Yeah, and then yeah. I thought yeah. we saw see, like I remember. a hawk or something. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Like, are known you just for like their herons, Pam. Yeah, didn't she just name like two really common birds? Like, oh, didn't we see like a robin and like a chickadee? <laughs> like, yeah, we did. <laughs> Thanks for remembering. <laughs> chickadees aren't that common in winter, but okay. Oh, yeah, um, it was winter. I did see a mountain chickadee last weekend also. I don't know what that cool. is, oh but God. I picture like a mountain lion chickadee hybrid. No, I'm the no, one. No, it's like a little chickadee that's like black and gray and white. Aww, it's really cool. That's cute. Uh, so in the winter, it's where bald eagles winter. So you can see like 30 at once all oh, together. I think we saw a bald eagle, like a juvenile bald, bald eagle. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. On that tree that was on the right. Yeah. <laughs> You're just trying to add details now. I'm not. Oh, yeah, I remember. It was on the right. And uh, you were drinking a <laughs> bottle of water and we were listening to the radio. Yeah. Nice tray. <laughs> okay. I was trying to find how much weight a bear could pull. Oh, <laughs> because of that question you oh. asked last time. <laughs> I'm sorry. And apparently, so oh right, I forgot about that. As a sub, as, you know, it, in a shocking surprise to no one, that there's no data on that. <laughs> they don't. They don't. Uh, they don't do weight in those sports. But I do know I how much agility estimations. I know how much they can lift. How much they can lift. Because you went to, we went to a bear gym. How much can they lift? They can lift a thousand pounds, five hundred just from the ground, with five hundred each paw. They That's can lift, pretty. Dope. They could lift another bear like WWE style. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm not like a a physics specialist, but um, like potentially or logically, they could pull more than that, right? So you know, they could pull more than a thousand pounds. 
Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, Charlotte's dog can pull 2,000. Is that... Yeah, so I wonder if a grizzly is as strong as Ginsburg. And grizzlies are at least 10 times as big as Ginsburg. Jesus. You know, I do actually think that a grizzly... Because that was on wheels. So there's different types of weight pull. Oh, And she pulls 2,000 on wheels. So I'm betting if it was on wheels, a grizzly could probably pull 2,000 pounds. Well, way more, Uh, right? Easily. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Ginsburg is not as strong as a grizzly. I thought you were going to say that they could pull 10 times that. And I was like, yeah. And you're like, no, they could probably pull more than than, than my dog. Your adorable, sweet, talented dog. Um, Okay. So I'm drinking wine because I – and I'm the only one drinking wine. Um, You said it was okay, you liar. Off air, everyone. She's like, it's fine. Sorry. Go ahead. It is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm drinking wine today. It's called Sawtooth Cabernet, and it's from the Sawtooth Mountains, a couple hundred miles east of me, west of me. That's so cool. And I sent you guys a picture of the label, didn't I? It's a fly tie for fly fishing. Oh, that's awesome! I didn't recognize. That's cool. I saw the that's label, fun. but I didn't know what it was. But, but look at the glass I'm drinking it out of. Oh, there's a bear on her wine glass, y'all. It's a polar bear etched in. That's beautiful. And that's the important part, is that there's a polar bear on the glass. I love that. Um, Are you guys drinking anything, though? I know you don't have wine, but are you drinking anything? Charlotte, I don't care if you made your water goal for the day. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't yet, in case you cared about me. I care care Um, a lot. (laughs) You guys are drinking something or no? Salome? So, Charlotte. No, not drinking anything today. I ran out of Olipop and uh, I forgot to buy wine. All right. And there's nothing else to drink on the planet. <laughs> but you don't want to know about my water goal, bitch. <laughs> All right. Salome, are you drinking some? I swear I heard a can open. Yeah. I'll, I opened it actually before I came over, but you're psychic. I'm drinking a blackberry soda. Before you came over. Before I came Where over to the desk. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Before I walked from my kitchen to my office. We're in our own houses. (laughs) You think I'm in my own house? I'm actually outside of of your place. So (laughs) I hear your face. And I'm eating a cookie because I I worked hard today and I deserve it. You have been fucking working your ass off since you started that job. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. But I'm also like, (laughs) why is this job taking my friend away? Okay, um, this is episode three of our mini series on the gray wolf. I'm glad you said that because I totally forgot what we were going to talk about. Oh, that's why I'm here. Uh, so I get paid the big bucks. Um, today's episode is going to be about the wolf reintroduction to Yellowstone, which we've we we barely touched on in one of the micro Bruins um, and we've kind of teased it here and there. So gather around the campfire because I got some story time for everybody. So build a fire in your house or your car, <laughs> wherever you're listening to this. We absolutely advocate for you safe. to set things <laughs> yes. on fire in your home. We're all doing it. You should do it. It's what all the cool kids are doing. Hey, as somebody who has been on fire, <laughs> I, I maybe don't recommend it. I feel like we need to tell that story. I literally podcast. was like, you've been on fire? And then was like, oh, fuck, duh. Like, I, but for a second, I was like, you're just, <laughs> haha, very funny. You're just joshing us. Yeah. It's too many but good yeah, stories. No, I saw where it happened. 
Really? Yes. When I when went I to Alaska. Is there like a little <laughs> plaque? No. no, you know how when you like take someone to your hometown? No, but we took a picture oh. of her arm. <laughs> took a picture of her arm with it. You When you like take someone to your hometown this and you're pointing out to all the shit that they don't give a fuck this about. I played at. And okay, like, I gave a fuck was... about where you got set on fire. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty significant. Okay, so gather around your campfires. Uh, all right, so... As we know, like, we like to vilify white people a lot, but it's worth mentioning that throughout all of human history, humans have always been able to justify cruelty and destruction, right? And and we kind of put certain people up on a pedestal for certain reasons without really thinking about other things too much. Um, But what I want to talk about first is basically how how people justified the cruelty to wolves. Um, So not even counting like all the, the big bad wolf shit, little red riding hood, like not even any of that stuff, any kind of folklore or anything. Um, You know, we talked about westward expansion causing the extirpation of a lot of the, of a lot of different species. Right. And especially predators, wolves, bears, cougars, whatever. Um, And one, one of the reasons that, that these predators were taken out and one that i i usually don't think of it's just not really front of mind for me and and we haven't talked about this before is that with a lot of those settlers came lots of livestock and lots of agriculture and normally we say oh they're preying on livestock but we're not thinking about why and one of the main reasons why is because when those when big swaths of land are cleared for livestock and agriculture that's wiping out uh, wolves and other predators' natural prey habitats, right? right so their natural sense. prey is leaving the area as well. So it's not that they're just like, oh, here's a cow. I'm going to fucking kill it. It's like my elk aren't here. My bison aren't here. My deer aren't here. But here's another thing that's big and slow and edible, right? So yeah. a lot of times we don't talk about that factor that, that you know, we got rid of a lot of their food sources, Mm-hmm. by doing those things so it's you know it's not just that cows were introduced it's that they were introduced at the same time deer elk moose bison were being pushed further away so i realized earlier that we hadn't really talked about that aspect before so i want to make sure and bring it up so then of course they're going to prey on livestock to feed themselves and their families right and this you know, humans don't need a lot of excuses to do shit like this. So that just gave them even more nope. reasons. Yep, exactly right. Like, it's fucking sad. And Montana even instituted a wolf bounty in the 1800s. It was like a dollar per wolf. It's only about 25 bucks today. Oh. I would have expected okay. more. But hey, yeah, I would have too. you know what? They don't need a lot of, like, <laughs> that's just icing on the cake. For the type of people right. that go out and participate in this shit, as we've talked about before, especially in our coyote episodes about how this is not sporting, this is not hunting, you know, things like that. Um, so by the mid-1900s, almost every wild wolf in the lower 48 was gone. They were, like, there was there were no year-round populations. There were no breeding pairs. There were uh, wolves kind of spotted here and there, but there were no wolves in the lower 48 by the mid 1900s. I hate that. It's not fair. 
I hate it too. And here's the ironic thing. Um, when Yellowstone became a park, so in 1872, the Yellowstone National Park Act was signed by President Grant. Again, not Roosevelt. Um, <laughs> a, a, a part of that act was, and this is a quote, to provide against the wanton destruction of the fish and game found within said park. Okay, so this is a very serious topic, but I somehow... I said wanton, right? Is that what you're going to make fun of? No, 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 no. Not make fun of it. Just like, I was like, wait, I'm suddenly hungry and also laughing. (laughs) Now I want a wanton. Damn it. Okay, but that's that's serious. It's a very serious topic, but... I knew exactly when I was like, fuck, I know I'm going to get shit for that. (laughs) Okay, wanton destruction of fish and game found within the park. And so, like, it's like we were talking before when my mom was on in one of her episodes about how there's laws, right, about wanton waste and stuff like that. But... Yes. (laughs) I was like, what are we talking about wantons? Okay, uh, so but but in that quote, you'll notice that it says um, the destruction of fish and game found within said park. It says game, not wildlife. Mm-hmm. And back then, uh. biologists didn't really understand the interconnectedness of like ecosystems and food webs and trophic cascades and shit like that. And and basically, what you know, the fact that every single organism has a role to play. So so the justification at that point even though the park was um you know considered protected was that they saw wolves as doing that wanton destruction just by living and hunting. Uh, and so they said God. we got to get rid of the wolves yeah because yeah. Mm-hmm. You know it's not like they were originally here naturally and it's if not you like believe ecosystems in it, by work God together. Or whatever, yeah, like right? It's not like predators and prey don't have a relationship right? that's been going on for millions of years. Exactly. I mean, the wolves but, are like God. breeding uncontrollably and like starting wars and – oh, wait. <laughs> that's us. That's human. <laughs> Ruining the planet. Yep. Um, but in the 1960s, the National Park Service actually changed their wildlife management policies as a whole across the board to reflect like more natural ecosystems, basically letting populations manage themselves. Um, and unless there's some kind of human element to it. Good. Yeah. That's and how so, it should be. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and around this time, people began to argue that, well, self-management isn't realistic or even doable unless we have the species that are naturally here. So we need to bring wolves back. Yeah. So that was that was kind of the argument at the time was self-management is fine, but then we need the natural, the natural, you know, um, animals that were here for that to be effective. Absolutely. And throughout like the 60s and 70s, there was a couple different laws and like regulations that were enacted basically with the intent to like correct past mistakes and prevent the same ones from happening, although that's debatable. Um, But (laughs) this is how the Endangered Species Act came about, um, 1973. And it, it required, one of the big parts of it is it requires the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to restore eliminated endangered species and restore native species in general. So it's literally like mandated. So gray wolves were added 
the year after in 1974, which literally required the Fish and Wildlife Service to begin reintroduction efforts. So mid-70s at this point. Um, and, and it's worth mentioning that by the mid-1900s, wolves had begun reestablishing themselves in northwest Montana. Um, there's about 50 to 60 um, wolves that came down from Canada. Remember how stupid people were like, oh, those yeah. Canada wolves aren't the same. Um, but it's almost it like wolves don't understand borders. <laughs> right? It's almost like borders are an artificial construct. <laughs> And also, this is just a total side note. This is not meant to be super political in the political way, but building walls really fucks up wildlife migration corridors, regardless of where that wall is. Like, just in general. uh, It's really, really bad for nature to do that shit. Um, Because we can't, like, issue them little key cards and have them, like, scan through. You know, like, there's just... (laughs) You know what I just had the thought of? Uh It's like, you know how some pet doors, you can get a little RFID chip on their collar that (laughs) lets it open? We have that for all the wildlife. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Just just chip them. It's super easy, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so it the, so those wolves in northwest Montana, though, at the time, it was really unlikely that they could have even spread much further south because of the lack of wildlife corridors, right? We talk a lot about wildlife corridors on this show. Yeah. Um, so jumping back a little bit, um, so after Congress, Cong- wow, Congress had to Congress. mandate, <laughs> shut the fuck up. You are not good at emphasis on the right syllables today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so after a congressionally mandated environmental impact study, uh, members of the Yellowstone Wolf Project and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service actually worked with Canadian authorities to basically obtain wolves um to to relocate to yellowstone and they selected for wolves that had no history of livestock predation um, wolves that were accustomed to hunting elk or other large ungulates like moose and were the appropriate like sexes and ages so it was a mix of males and females uh some young adults some established adults but uh, without family groups. So they didn't go in and pull out like breeding females and males. So, so like did, they grabbed uh, different wolves from different family groups and then most of the, yeah. So they grabbed um, immature, the ones they grabbed from family groups were immature wolves. Uh, they, so they, they didn't have like a, they didn't have a big role in those family groups and they were still mm. young enough to find their own. Um, and they actually worked really closely with the Isle Royal Wolf Project, uh, which is the longest wolf project in the country. And they worked with a lot of those experts came in to help out and they helped them determine this variation of wolves to to trap and bring in. So, And it's really detailed in the book Decade of the Wolf, uh, which we have mentioned before. Um, I think I mentioned it last time because they have some really cool stories about some of the social things and wolf behaviors they've seen since the introduction. Um, it was written by Doug Smith and Gary Ferguson. And Doug Smith was head of the uh, Yellowstone Wolf Project for like 30 years or something. And he was one of the ones on these first ones. He was one of the ones that went up to Canada and worked with some trappers to locate and um, humanely trap wolves to bring down. Um, so, and I'll link that book again. We've linked it a million times, but it's really fucking good. 
So there was, as you can imagine, a lot of different appeals from, you know, different groups, um, a lot of protests, uh, some of them for, you know, for it, and a lot of them against the reintroduction. But ultimately, on January 12th, 1995, um, a truck carrying eight wolves from Jasper National Park uh, in Canada drove through the Roosevelt Arch into Yellowstone. And we will post Ah! some pictures because the streets were lined. (laughs) <laughs> and I like tear up just looking at the picture, like all these people watching. It was all over the news. Um, and shortly after, another truck with six more wolves entered the park. So 14 total. And they put him into three different acclimation pens in the backcountry. And actually, next that. time, yeah, next time one of you guys or both you guys are with me, I'll show you where one is because I know where one of them is. Oh, uh, that would be so cool. Yeah. So they stayed in those pens for about 10 weeks. And um, so what they did is they brought in elk carcasses like discreetly and placed them strategically. And that was just to get them familiar with elk specifically but they Mm. couldn't bring them in they didn't want to bring them in on like snow machines or anything so there's all these pictures of them like they bring them in for people who aren't from alaska a snow machine is a snowmobile it's not just alaska oh i think of them as i've literally never heard it from anyone except for you the great lakes everyone i know from like minnesota wisconsin so i've never used one my friend from upstate new york says it okay i've I've, I'm familiar with both, but I also have never used one. So I don't know if I'm a good example. Yeah, It's just hard for me to say snowmobile. Snowmobile? Because it, so it sounds dorky. Because I totally had no idea what you meant when I first heard you say it. Yeah. So they didn't, they wanted as little human contact as possible. So there's like pictures of them like hauling a sled with like a dead elk in it uphill in this fucking snow like they've got a rope around their waist like the humans (laughs) the humans mushing a dead elk literally uh yeah and so so um so with these pens one of the main reasons why they used them and and this was actually one of my concerns with the colorado elk release we'll see how or wolf release but as we know wolves are very very tied to their territories right and so mm-hmm. the hope was that by keeping them in these pens they would like acclimate ac- acclimate <laughs> and start to you got see this. the area as their territory pam you got this pam pronunciation is not that difficult look i've had a really long day <laughs> and i have already drank half this bottle of wine which in Jesus, my defense pam. is only two and a half glasses i would be a five glasses in a bottle I would have been okay. okay fine all right That's so impressive. uh so at the end of march so 10 weeks later so they were actually supposed to open them um i want to say like the third week of march but some last minute appeal came through from a rancher group and they put a hold on on releasing them and uh they said no you know we got to do this we got to release them so they ended up releasing them at the end of march so thankfully they they didn't want them released too late in the season because uh as we've talked about before winter is the best time for wolves to hunt elk and so they wanted to still release them when there was snow on the ground so the wolves could yeah get used to like going after the elk so um anyway so they were able to so they opened all the gates and some of the wolves left but they actually had to cut holes in the sides of the acclimation pens because a lot of the wolves wouldn't leave through the gates uh because they that's where the humans would come up 
And so even if they left for like, there was times when they left for days at a time and they come back and the wolves would still be in there. Like they didn't want to be around people that much. So So anyone who tells you, anyone who tells you wolves are vicious and hunt people, they literally do not. (laughs) But look, I mean, yeah. And we've talked, I'm probably going to cut this, but like we talked about it before. Yeah. Wolves will kill more than they need at the moment because they'll cash it and eat it later. Which is something lots of animals do. And just because... Yeah, we have fucking freezers. We put a bunch of our extra food in the fucking freezer. (laughs) Right. We literally do that. We do the exact same thing. And, like, even if we, like... Even, Even when if, we don't um, fucking need to, we get way too much. We're more vicious yes. than wolves. Yes, and, and like, gluttonous. Even if a wolf and... doesn't go back to it, guess what? 60 different species are going to benefit from that. Anyway. Okay, so after they released them um, and, and they all left, most of the wolves stayed in and around the park. And, and you know, there's – I really recommend everybody read American Wolf – by Nate Blakesley and Decade of the Wolf, because it goes into a lot more of these specifics, right? Of of what of what happened. But a lot of people were surprised at how, like, people thought they were just going to disperse into the woods and never be seen again. But Charlotte, as you know, it, it's not that hard to see a wolf in Yellowstone, especially no. if you go. What time of year well, you not go now and that where there you are go? Tons of packs. Right. But even then they did not stray very far. Like people were like, that's why Rick knows the history of every fucking wolf ever in Yellowstone Mm. and knows their whole fucking life story. Um, But, but two of them left the park immediately. Um, The male number 10, he was wolf number 10. He was illegally shot outside the park because at this time they were on the endangered species list. Um, it, it's worth mentioning that man was caught and prosecuted and did jail time Good. and paid a lot of fines and lost a lot of his hunting Good. privileges. Thank God. Good. You should lose all of them. Like, that's so messed up. Not sportsmanlike. Yeah. And like, just pointless. You're not going to, you're not going to eat yeah. it. It's not attacking you. No, it's just people don't eat wolf. killing for the wolf. sake of killing. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, there are people that literally wait outside the boundary. Like it's, it's that fucked is up. so fucked up. But, um, okay, so it was number nine and ten. So nine was the female, ten was the male. So ten was shot and killed. They found number nine, and here's the crazy thing. She had a new litter of pups. From ten? Nine and ten bred in the acclimation pens. Oh, which surprised everybody. Nobody thought like they did because wolf breeding season is like end of January and February, right? So they were Mm -hmm. in the pens during that time, but everybody thought they'd be too stressed. They wouldn't know the other wolves that well, whatever. But no, nine and ten were like immediately like they're like we don't have anything else to do, so (laughs) might as well no Netflix, might as well yeah. No, but there is Netflix. (laughs) Sorry, that was a really bad joke. (laughs) You and your Uh, puns, I love it. I'm usually not that great. Um, yeah, so so they found nine and her pups, and they were able to Aww. get them and bring them back into the park. Um, and so, actually, the majority of the wolves in the park today come from those two. That's so That's awesome. cool. That's Isn't so that- cool. I-, I like that too because, like, like ten lives on, like his legacy lives on. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wait, question: That's Do so they sad. have a genetic bottleneck because there's? 
so many of them are descended from question. the those two? I should say, let me rephrase that. It's not that most of the wolves come from them. It's that pretty much every single pack that's ever been in the park has one or multiple members that can trace their lineage to them. Okay. Oh my God. Okay. So wolves- it's not necessarily like an Adam and Eve situation, but they had a really big litter and I want to say all the pups survived or almost all of them. Dang, so that's awesome. they were able to branch out quite a lot with the Way to go nine. A what a good mama. 23 and me situation. Like, are they like, they literally do that. Yeah. But I just yeah. picturing the wolves doing that. Um, themselves yeah, like, like oh who's computer? my granddaddy or whatever <laughs> yeah uh yeah so then the next year in 1996 they brought in 17 more wolves from canada nice. so total of 31 between 95 and 96 and they had them in the pens for about 10 weeks and then released them and other than like a few isolated situations of them leaving the park and getting into trouble some ending up being euthanized some of them left the park and never got into trouble at all. Some of them left the park, got into trouble, relocated multiple times. Eventually, they put him down. Um, but over the first eight years after the release, the predation outside the park was a lot less than expected. So this is um, so this is like thirty-one wolves and all the pups that had been happened right over the first eight years. 41 cattle and 256 sheep confirmed. So it's probably more than that, but that, but probably not much more, but that's the confirmed amount in eight years after, that is after their release. Nice. I thought you were saying it's, in a year. That's a, yeah, that's like no, nothing in eight years. Over the first eight years. That's crazy. And, and again, yeah. you know, and, and that sheep, um, I need to, I don't know exactly when it was, but the one case of surplus killing was in idaho and it was with sheep and i want to say it was like 80 sheep just got totally wiped out by a wolf pack and then they left the area uh but you know what could have stopped that uh livestock guardian dog yes (laughs) and (laughs) no wolves would have been harmed that was like the most like just you know what you should do is you should just get one from the fucking shelter and you just throw them out oh, there yeah. and they just do their fucking do their job. job. And that's I, why they're in the shelter because people get yeah. them as pets. And and they can be good pets. But, but people get them without understanding. Okay, anyway. Um, so I don't want to get too much into the politics of the situation because like you could just that could be a whole episode of all the back and forth um, of, of everything that has happened, all the legal battles, um, all that stuff. Uh, I want to mostly focus on the effects that the reintroduction has had kind of on the ecosystem as a whole. But I do want to say a couple things. So between 2008 and 2017, so 10 calendar years gray wolves in the northern rockies were delisted and relisted from the endangered species list eight times just fucking back and forth like i love that because it means their population was recovering and growing and that's you know we're, we're trying to reintroduce a native species that we killed off i hate that that they had to go back and forth because like humans are so shitty when it, it's like did yes. we learn but our lesson the, the few reason- times we had to relist them Right. The reason they were delisted was not valid. So it's Mm. not like they were doing really good and we said, okay, we're good. It's people with a lot of money are able to influence 
people in high positions. And so if you guys read American Wolf, he lays out the basically the requirements that that needed to happen to be delisted. In my opinion, those still haven't fucking happened. Uh, okay, and and so, and never have. And so, can and, you share with us what those were? Um, I don't know. I don't remember the actual specifics, but it was a certain population number. First of all, mm-hmm. it was a certain amount that could go to other areas for um, genetic diversity. Okay, and something with their habitats. I want to say. And so they never really got up to the numbers. I want to say they said 150 to 200 permanent numbers. Um, and they have not been shown to be able to go, you know, leave and come back with someone from Glacier or whatever. Like like that right. that kind of cro- – like that genetic diversity has, has not happened. Um, and part of it is because of they're killed before they get there. Right. You know, they leave the park and they're shot on site pretty much, whether it's legal oh, or not. Poor animals. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, I, I don't remember the exact specifics, but it's an American wolf. Um, and, and I honestly feel like Nate Blakesley did a pretty damn good job of being unbiased and just presenting facts. Um, but I, I'm not going to lie. I'm absolutely biased, but I also really try to see the other side and look at the facts of it. And and I'm like that with every single thing in my life, right? Sports games. Yeah, you are good about Wolf that. Wolf Ranger, like whatever, right? I'm, I'm trying to friend look group at it drama. A, friend group drama, yes, exactly. And so, yes, I am absolutely biased, but not because I'm some crazy wolf lover. I, I am, but also because <laughs> they are so fucking good for so many other animals. And we're going to talk about that in just yeah. a second, actually. Uh, they're pretty cool yeah so um okay so a few weeks ago on february 2nd of this year uh u.s fish and wildlife decided to basically rule against two petitions that were brought from 70 different uh environmental groups and there was two parts to it one was to list um one was to list all the wolves in the Northern Rockies back on the endangered species list. We've talked about that a million times before. And the other was to provide protection for all of them in the West. So that would include the Colorado ones. Okay. And fishing game rule. Which I feel like them. the Colorado ones should have protection. Like they're so recently introduced and it's an important program that the voters voted on. Um, yes. And so they have protection. We ought to protect them. They have state protection. Okay. And and actually, some good news. The states surrounding Colorado have agreed to, at, at least I know Utah and Arizona have, um, they have agreed to, and I think New Mexico, I'm not sure about Wyoming, up in the air, but they have agreed that if, if these released wolves go into their states, they will capture them and return them. They oh, won't let good. anybody shoot them. I think I and those wolves won't apply like Utah has had a wolf management plan drafted for like 15 years, just assuming that wolves are going to make it to Utah. So these Colorado wolves um, would not fall under that purview. They are their okay, own they won't thing. count. Mm-hmm. Okay. The shit that, That's good. The shit that Utah politicians are afraid of. 
is insane. So one of the reasons these petitions were brought, and we've talked about this before, is these these different groups that brought these petitions, they didn't say that wolves aren't you know, doing well. Their big concern is that the wolf management plans of Wyoming, Montana, and Idaho specifically are going to, are, are not realistic and they're problematic and they're going to cause them to just be re-added later anyway. And, and we've talked about that how many fucking times? Like, there's no yeah. in-between with those plans. They're going to result in the wolves needing to be re-added anyway. Which then, what's the point? Like, yeah. Why yeah, don't we and, come and, up with something a little more sustainable? Mm-hmm. And my new thing, which maybe is a conspiracy theory, but I honestly <laughs> think these states like having wolf populations. We talked about oh, this in so the too. Colorado yeah. one, right? Because yeah. they're bringing in a shitload of money between wildlife watchers. They're scoring political points. Before, and hunters and ranchers with their with their tags. So we're and- all fucking getting played. And one side is, or probably both sides are scoring political points for being able to use it as a talking point. Yeah. Well, you know, wildlife watchers, we've said this before, and I've linked the study in, I don't know, one of the episodes, but they bring in more money than hunters now. Hunters and fishers combined. Right, yes. That's awesome. But but hunters still bring in a lot of money. And I I don't want to discount that. What I'm saying is that politicians are taking advantage of that and they're saying no we're not going to give our wolves to colorado we're you know we're not going to have these actual um uh you know workable plans that make sense because then we can't make more money off tags and shit so we're all getting played we are all getting played (laughs) we really are sorry if i sound a little fucking alex jonesy there but i don't think that's a conspiracy theory i I think that's a analysis of the political situation in these states i think so political and economic situation i think that's a pretty good analysis that you know maybe wildlife people aren't actually really taking into account so it's good for you to share it Mm -hmm. so two more things real quick before we talk about ecological benefits so the press release when fish and wildlife said no we're going to keep them off the list is they said this is a quote the service conducted a comprehensive analysis using robust modeling that incorporated the best available data from federal, state, and tribal sources, academic institutions, and the public. The analysis indicates that wolves are not at risk of extinction in the Western United States now or in the future. Or in the future? That's like... Or sorry, in the foreseeable future. But that's still, that's such a like... So vague. Yeah, such a broad like statement too. Like, I just don't... I just don't think well so. it is and and these these modeling systems that they use to provide data does that include the does that include the plans that the states have like right. like yeah if nothing changes i agree with that statement what i don't agree with is that once you know opening this up to state oversight is gonna fuck all of that like right we've said it before i'm not against wolf hunting i am against over hunting of anything and i think that these quotas are what's fucked up in the first place like i gotta be I'm honest not against- i am against wolf hunting i'm not against hunt hunting of many things i'm kind of against wolf hunting though because first of all i love wolves and love kind of all canids but especially because they're endangered and if you look at their historic range versus their current range 
I'm like, no, we should not be hunting them, period. Not that I'm an expert in ecology at all, but this is one of the hunting, the one of the animals that I disagree with hunting them point blank at all. Fair. Don't I mean, they're them. very um, low on my list of agreeing about. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. I'm um, just sharing I, I, my non-expert no, opinion. <laughs> and I think it's for me, when I say I'm not, I'm not against it, I should... I should probably be a little more specific. I'm not against certain situations of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, if a wolf is shoot a wolf, but if a wolf is actively attacking your livestock, which I, you know, like we've talked about, there are ways to make that not happen. Like Mm -hmm. livestock guardian dogs and donkeys. But if that is happening, I'm not against shooting a wolf in that situation, but I am against hunting a wolf. I see those situations as different. You know, I see that as not hunting. Yeah, fair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think at this point, yeah, if shit stayed the way it is right this second, yeah, great. Wolves are doing great. But that's not what's going to happen. That's not right. what these plans are. Um, but here's the cool thing. At, right after this, you know, statement was released or whatever about not re-adding them, they also announced that they are developing a national recovery plan for wolves in the lower 48. That's awesome. Oh, my God. Yes. I love di- this. Yeah. So with different areas of concentration. So even though they weren't relisted as endangered, we can at least hold out some hope that this recovery plan is going to, you know, do some good. Right? So maybe we'll have wolves in New York again soon. Maybe you will. Also, that would be so cool. That, like, that statement, um, you know, when they said that they're not in danger of or not in danger of becoming extinct, I feel like that's the wrong focus. Like extinction is the yeah. very worst outcome, right? But you can have an imbalance far, far before you are technically at risk of extinction. You know? Yeah, I would agree with so, that. May, you are so fucking wise. That She's is very such smart. a good take. that is such a good take on it. Yeah, right? like why isn't the language like are not at risk of um, a significant ecological imbalance? Yeah, because we we've seen that right. with everything from uh, you know like insects and uh, you know to things as big you know as as big predators. Like it, we've just seen it again and again in so many different countries in different parts of the world, and I feel like we just never learn that lesson which is why why are we fucking up and imbalancing it in the first place and causing more problems yeah like why are we waiting until they're almost extinct mm-hmm. instead of thinking oh the risk of extinction how about uh does the analysis indicate that the population is healthy yeah yes that's what it should be your face I wish people could see the way i'm fucking rolling my okay <laughs> Uh, that was amazing. <laughs> all right, we're all getting riled up. Um, I think this is a good place to stop for now. So make sure you guys follow us on Instagram and Facebook, Bears and Brews Podcast. Email us, bearsandbrewspodcast at gmail.com, and rate, review, and subscribe. And we will see you guys next week. <laughs>